Milky fans, I, I, before we get going on this episode, we owe Lindsay Heckle a small apology. Um, we do this, Pete and I, in person once a year. Uh, maybe twice when you come back and who knows. Uh, but the technology is, is jerry-rigged to say the least. Uh, we're using my phone propped up as a camera. Um, we're using, uh, we, we, you know, we had to use my speaker on my laptop to hear her. So I, I'm still not sure how the sound is going to come out. I'm hoping for the best. But again, apologies, Lindsay. We're sorry. We, the technology is just, I mean, the setup was not wonderful. Yeah. And uh, we, not only are, is our, our typical setup where we're each at our own space, on a Zoom call, a little more conducive to doing an interview. Yes. Um, it. Uh, I don't have the mute button, so when I have a coughing fit at the end of the uh, uh, interview, I didn't really have anywhere to go. So sorry. Yes. <laughs> sorry about that too. We'll be more professional next time around. Yes. We uh, promise. Yes, and when you win the uh, the Herman Trophy, you're welcome to come back on, and That's we'll do right. a, we'll do a proper next time. Yeah, yeah. We knew her when. Uh, yes. Thank you again to Lindsay Hackle for coming on again. Apologies. Welcome back into the Midtown Madness podcast. Uh, it's Peter Hale and Zach Miller. Uh, before we get going, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hammer those like and subscribe buttons. And if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see us live from MMPHQ STL, Pete. Yeah, just like you could see us live if you were at uh, Humphreys last night after the... Uh or Dukes, uh, or wherever <laughs> we ended up, um, uh, what Chava's Mexican restaurant. Uh, that was that salsa was so hot. Speaking of salsa, and I didn't even plan that one. Seamless. I didn't plan that one. Um, this episode and the whole season of Midtown Madness is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Uh, whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, uh, the people over at Two Men have you covered. Uh, I know what you're asking, Zach. Why two men in a garden? Well, as we learned last night, I love salsa. Um, and they're 100% St. Louis company. Not only do they support local, but they opened up their production facility to local food entrepreneurs. They love St. Louis the way I do. Uh, you can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomeninagarden.com. Uh, follow them on all social media at Two Men Salsa. Uh, we're going to talk Billiken basketball, but... Some news came out with the women's soccer program, the end of season awards, Pete, and it was uh, the All-American team, the semifinalists for the Herman Trophy, and St. Louis Billiken's own Lindsey Heckel is a semifinalist for the Herman Trophy and a first-team All-American, and we're going to talk to her right now. All right, Billiken fans, we have a special guest, and, and she's not only going to talk to us about her recent accolades, but she's been... Uh, gracious enough to talk to us about the U.S. men's national team as well in the, in the World Cup. Uh, Lindsay Heckel, uh, welcome to the Midtown Madness podcast, our first women's soccer player to join the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, did you, I'm assuming you caught yesterday's game and you've been watching the, the World Cup. Uh, how cool is it to see guys like Tim Ream, uh, Josh Sargent, guys that are from the area represent the country? Oh, it's awesome, especially since uh, Tim and I, we play the same position. So it's really cool to see like all his like tactics and like how he goes about the game. It's really cool to see. Do you, are you, you're watching, so you, you do zero in as a defender when you're watching, you know, the pros, 
yeah. uh, they're doing specifically. And what, what do you see from Tim Ream in this tournament that made him so good? He was definitely the calming, the confident uh, defender for them this tournament. Like he was there and he was reliable for everybody and he was making tackles and blocking shots. And it was just really cool to see. Did, in any of these games, I mean, do you think, uh, was he pretty steady throughout? Was there a performance of his that stood out to you at all? Um, I guess yesterday's was a big one for him because uh, uh, Netherlands was very fast up top and Tim Marim's not the fastest guy. So he was able to hold his own back there. And uh, that was cool of him to... He blocked a couple shots, I remember, yesterday, and um, he was staying with those forwards and making key passes for the U.S., too, so good to see. When you see the goals that were scored by the Netherlands yesterday, Tim Ream, his reactions were very, like, you're yeah. not where you're supposed to be. Uh, what what was, what was happening with his uh, his wide defenders? Because it looked like it was, like, Anthony Robinson and, and the other wide defenders that were kind of... Oh my I was so mad. I was like... Are they can they not do this at this level? But I don't know what goes on. But um, just the marking in the box was a problem yesterday for sure. Um, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson were marking the same guy on the last goal. Yes, um, it looked like. And uh, he, Robinson was like so focused on the ball that like he didn't see the guy behind him. And um, as a center defender, though, like you kind of have to have your head on a swivel, though. So like tell your wing back, like, hey, there's someone behind you. So. It goes on both of them. Do you think that was kind of uh, uh, in over their head in that, like, you've got a team like the Netherlands that are so, you know, they have such a rich history that you maybe give them a little too much credit and you're kind of, you get caught ball watching because you're kind of, like, you're kind of, you, you enter that fan space, right? Where you're just like, oh, my God, like, this guy is insane on the ball. And then, or they're moving the ball so fast, you forget what you actually have to do. Maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't know, maybe that could be it, uh, but uh, I know that, like, the U.S. had majority of the possession, though, yesterday, and I think that was maybe how the Netherlands wanted to go about it, because that's something that the U.S. is not very comfortable with, is being the one always in possession. Like, I don't know, I feel like we're, like, an underdog story, so, like, we like to be chasing, we like to just press the team can't really cuss on here, so I was like, just press the team. <laughs> hey, press the team really hard. Coach did it. Uh, okay, Katie did it. Press the living shit out of like teams who were always like in possession, and so like, so when they were always in possession, then like they weren't really comfortable with like moving the ball in the flank areas and trying to get good service. And it looked like so. Um, yeah, I think that's what I saw. So you and uh, and Josh Sargent both hail from O'Fallon, Missouri. Um, how much were you aware of growing up in the in the local soccer community? Can you say that again? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Uh, how how much aware of of Josh Sargent were you growing up? Uh, you both are from O'Fallon. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't go to Dominic, but like that's like ten minutes from my house. But um, so like I knew of him. He's only two years older than me. He graduated in eighteen. I graduated in twenty twenty. So like I knew of him, and like I knew of him for playing like. I think the academy level at Gallagher and everything. So like, it's cool to see that someone from my hometown is like playing in the World Cup. Like, that's something that could happen for anybody. Yeah. You're a semifinalist for the the Herman Trophy, which is the Heisman of men's and women's soccer. 
Uh, to be recognized like that has to be kind of surreal, right? Oh, for sure. Definitely was not expected at all. Kind of. It's kind of funny because you think of like these major awards and they're always going to the, the goal scorers, the people that, that stuff the stat sheet and defense. It's just, it's, it's not a, you know, a pretty uh, position and you don't get the accolades. So, I mean, like what, I don't even know if there's a question there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So you and Sophia Stram have been praised for your stout defending. Obviously defense involves the goalkeeping as well. How does having a player like Piricelli behind you change the way you're able to defend? Um, I don't know if it's much changes, but I know like if there's not a lot of room for mistakes from my position, but like if, you know, that one ever happens, I know that like she's there and she's going to make some unreal acrobatic save or come out diving. Like she's always going to be there and like we have each other's back. So we always tell each other that before games and everything. So, yeah. What, uh, what, what is it about this current staff right now? Coach Shields, uh, Chris Allen, Olivia Silverman. Uh, what is it about them that really seems to attract talent? Um, Their care for, like, the players as a person, too, just not as a player. Like, um, they care for the whole person and the student part, too, along with, like, the mental health part of things. So, like... That's really cool to see. And I don't know if that happens everywhere you go. Um, definitely know some stories that like that doesn't happen. But um, so like goalkeeper, you know, that terrible, terrible uh, event that happened with her. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. But I think that um, and it's it's a fun time. Like they try to make it fun, too. Like we're always laughing and joking with each other. Like, yeah, it's a great time. <laughs> Uh, what was your personal recruitment experience like to SLU? So SLU was my first visit ever, like back before the rule change too. So like I was a sophomore, like newly a sophomore, like fall of my sophomore year when I went and visited. And um, I don't know, I liked it. I went on like one or two other visits, but then like, um, so Jess Porcer and I, uh, we actually did a little visit together then like in February of that next year. And um, she committed right after that. And then I committed like a week or two after that. And so I always knew it was going to be slew. I figured out early that I was a homebody. So had to stay close. What, what, was it always going to be soccer though? Because like you were, as it turns out, a pretty good basketball player too. Yeah, I was always going to be soccer, much to my parents' chagrin, but um yeah, I was always going to be soccer because they had to learn. They had to learn the game. That was like the hardest part for them was like learning soccer. They knew basketball, but yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like an indoor outdoor thing or if there was more travel or what. No, but like that's that from high school. Oh, okay. Uh, you mentioned uh, being a homebody and, and staying close. Uh, one of our favorite things on this show, though, are travel stories from, you know, uh, road trips to games. Is there any wild travel stories you guys have? Like anything that went that went awry? Like, you know, a bus driver getting really drunk on wine and stealing the bus? <laughs> kind of nothing, nothing like that. Um, nothing too That's a true story. Oh, really? Basketball story, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Um, 
there wasn't anything crazy like that but like last season like last fall um we were going to play Duquesne and we were flying there and um we get close to Pittsburgh and <laughs> the captain comes on and is like there's a storm over the airport we can't land right now and like instead of like just flying around he's like we're gonna go to Buffalo so we went to Buffalo <laughs> instead sat on the tarmac for like over an hour and a half and then we took off again and then finally landed four hours past our landing time and we got there really late our dinner was already at the hotel at the normal time so our dinner was cold and it was terrible uh, i want to talk about the memphis obvious like not you know i don't we don't have to get too far into the weeds but well, i know i'm sorry uh but you know when you get a draw like that how does that affect kind of the team does the team rally together is there a little bit of like what the hell or like what's the reaction there there was a little bit of like really like because it was no it wasn't anybody was expecting that like at all like everyone had like a few people in mind like teams that we were going to play and so like when we saw that we were all like okay but then like for me at least I was like all right it's just time to grind out another win like against a decent squad like Memphis so like I was like we can do it we've definitely played tougher teams than Memphis um so I was just I just knew that we could grind out another win, but obviously um, that did not happen, but that's okay. <laughs> you are, are you a person that likes playing in the cold weather or, because uh, I am I, not, I am a huge wussy. I prefer the cold over the heat, the blazing heat. Yeah, I prefer the cold. That was a little bit too cold because we weren't really used to, um, that was like our first real cold day of the year, like of the fall. And it's like, I wasn't really used to it, but um I mind. I like playing the cold way better. Have you started to think about <clears throat> the entirety of this season in terms of like it was? It was really it was a dream season, uh, breaking every record as a team in this new record books, um, and now the individual accolades are starting to pile up too. Um, congratulations, by the way. Um, Thank you. Started to think about the, the what this season meant given that it was so great, but ended so abruptly in, in a in a game like that. Yeah, I think that's why it hurt so bad was because no one was one expecting to be done or ready to be done yet. So I think that's why that um, that last one hurt so bad and still stung for a good long time after a loss. Um, but no, yeah, it was a crazy season. Um, everything just came together like from the struggles of last season to like really working hard in the spring that like everything came together and it was awesome to see everyone's um drive to like want to keep winning and uh, all the individual stuff too like people doing awesome I don't know what to say everyone's awesome <laughs> you mentioned how much you liked slew on your recruiting visit what what is it about slew that you think that Katie Shields really relishes and really enjoys and makes her want to stay here for uh, you know, the foreseeable future. That she wants to build a, a program that's like nationally recognized now and like that people like big recruits want to come here now. And so I think that we're well on our way to doing that. And I like being a part of that. And while we may not be like, what am I trying to say here? I think we're catching people's eyes now and especially from like the committees and all that so like I feel like people actually want to come here now because like 
before it's always been I know she said this in the past like a struggle keeping like local talent um but now everyone locally like wants to come here and it's close to home and so your families can be a gain so I think that's why she's going after the local talent first looking ahead to next season uh what's kind of the 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 plan I mean you're losing quite a bit I believe heading in I don't have it in front of me because I just came up with this question um sorry but yeah I mean what's the the outlook like what is the expectation to do it all again that's the expectation I'm like Katie definitely will make that clear and everything but like I don't expect anything less than winning the regular season and winning the championship again um that's what I want to do because I want to get another ring and I want to go far in the NCAA tournament farther than um we did last year for sure like make it to the sweet 16 at least like bare minimum you mentioned going far what is your kind of uh goal with soccer like i mean slew and beyond i don't have that figured out yet wish i did but um at slew at least i hope to make it to the sweet 16 next year and then maybe even beyond next year or even the year after that I just give that away. Uh, one other thing pops in mind for me, uh, given your high school, but um, Becky Sauerbrunn is another, you know, national team player. Yeah. Out, yeah, out of Narings Hall. Um, no, she was uh, Ledoux. Okay. Um, uh, Lori Kolepny was from Narings. Oh, uh, that's that's who I got to mix up with. Okay, but 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 because she plays your position anyway, and she mm-hmm. is. Um, did you kind of look at her as like, a, you know, model your game on her or anything like that growing up? Yeah, especially when um, they were, they've been playing this year. I've been watching her a lot more. Just, again, she's like that calming, like reliable factor, I think, back there. Same as both her and Tim Ream are older. So I think that's how they fit into that role um, back there. Um, definitely started watching, I don't know, whoever it was for back there for the U.S. Uh, women's team. When I um, moved to center back, when I became a freshman here at SLU, because I haven't played this position more than two years. Yeah. Wow. Where were you at originally? Um, so my freshman year was that COVID year. So we didn't play in the fall. Um, but like I started out there as like, like where Hannah Larson plays, like on the wing or Caroline. Like I was a nine or like a seven eleven in the wing. Like I played there all fall until the last two weeks when uh, they threw me back because we had some injuries and um, they threw me back there. They'd always talked about that, maybe trying me at defense, but then it didn't happen until the end of that semester. And then two weeks at center back came back next January to start um, our season. And I've been at center back ever since. You know, I, I one of my least favorite things is talking about that COVID year in sports in general, just actually really just in life. But uh, I'm curious what it was like as a player to have those kind of just bizarre experiences. You know, you've had, you have the travel, you have, you know, constantly testing, all that kind of stuff. But the one, the game against, was it Oklahoma State at home where you had to wait like three hours to play? Yeah. So I guess I'm allowed to talk about this. Um, Oklahoma State girl like woke up sick. Like, I don't know if it was like COVID, but like, I think I heard something that like she threw up. I don't know. But so like they were testing her and they were waiting 
for all that. That's why we were delayed that game. What was and it like? Have to yeah. say, I mean, you, you that a delay is not something that happens in soccer. So what's that like as a team? Like, what do you guys do to kind of, you know, stay focused, or do you kind of mentally go somewhere else and then come back? Um, we just try to stay loose and like, um, like figure out like our, because like I think of the Notre Dame game, like that was rain delay, lightning delay, like we had 10 minutes to go in the first. So like, we were just all trying to stay like loose and like on the same page and like stay on the same page collectively and um, try to make it light and fun. We were playing music in the locking room, just like trying to stay loose. Yeah. What One of the, the things I, I love about this team is just like the attitude pregame. I mean, it always seems like there's fun going, like it's just fun. Everyone, the, the music is like right the the choice of pregame music I think everyone knows I love that uh but like who who kind of leads that is that all Brie Brie Halverson because that's what it seems to me anyway that's she seems like the catalyst of like the loose nature yeah. of she's definitely a factor in it for sure because that girl she's crazy she's insane I love her though but um yeah so like the warm-up playlist um that was put together by the seniors last year like true seniors last year so like that was like Emily Grorick, Anna Lawler, like Hannah Frederick they all put that together last year and like everyone loves it and so we kept it this year like it's such a good playlist like together and then like when we come back out from the locker room like that just started this year with like that song um from Hannah Montana oh that He's song like, cooks <laughs> yes it's so good and then everyone just like because like that for me is like when the nerves start to hit before any game like doesn't matter who we're playing like I still get nervous so like having that song come on and like jumping around dancing around with like Carol and Soph is like something that keeps me loose and like excited to play so yeah yeah I, I just think that the the culture around this team is something that is is incredible because I mean talking to to Katie she said you know she really struggled with that early on in her career here so I think you know that that loose nature uh, ahead of the games it just it really it, I, I think it just sets the tone I don't know how you feel about it but that that's kind of what I see um like I feel like everyone knows like we have business to take care of like on the field but like we like to have fun too so like that's what how we stay loose so yeah hey uh, Lindsay I appreciate you joining us getting up early on a Sunday to, to chat with us uh, but yeah, thank you so much, and and uh, best of luck on on uh, the Herman Trophy uh, semifinals. Uh, you know, just I I I sure as hell think you deserve it. So, um, oh, thank you. Thank you. Congrats on the uh, first team All American. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yes. Uh, Crazy, not expecting any of that, but we're both dying over here. <laughs> Sorry. Um. That yeah. No, he's fine. Uh, <laughs> He's trying to get out of the reach of the microphone is what he's trying to do cough uh but yeah no th thank you again for joining us and uh and uh you know enjoy the off season and we'll, can't wait to see you guys back on the field next year yeah me too see ya thank you thanks peter a, a good week of billiken basketball uh to talk about uh we'll start off with an 80 to 63 win versus tennessee state on wednesday november 30th uh this game when you're looking at it, if you look at it, you're like, oh, the Billikens, they beat Tennessee State by 17. Okay. 
But then you have Yuri Collins in this one. Holy smokes. I think, yeah, he's the story of this game. This is one of those games that, you're right, goes through the season and there really isn't much of a story. We beat Tennessee State by 17, okay. His own assist record has now been broken at SLU. He's, he had 20. The more amazing thing to me, because we know how many assists he's capable of every night if guys finish, if guys hit shots. One we'll turnover. Get to one turnover. To go with 20 assists is, is just ridiculous. It's not like he was trying to force everything through himself and, and making mistakes. I mean, to, to just play that level of low-error basketball, everything going through him is just incredible. Yeah, this, I mean, like, and we talk about finishing and we can get into that eventually because, I mean, there's been some, the, the, the Billikens have lacked their finishing inside, uh, but... Uh, he easily could have broken the NCAA record in this one. Yeah, which is 24? Yes. Okay. Uh, and and speaking of which, uh, he's the 24th player in Division One history to reach 20 in a game. Um, again, he, he said it himself. He should have had 25 or 26. Uh, and he's it's the most assists in D1 since 2017. Yeah, and that's uh, that last one was Trey Young. So... Uh, that's pretty good company to keep, I think, if you're going to be breaking college records. Yeah, I mean, if for a guy that wants to get to the league, uh, coming behind Trey Young, uh, you know, on in the record books is 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 something that people are going to see. Um, but while Yuri Collins did get 20 assists, uh, the first half was pretty stagnant offensively. Yeah, it it, it really was, and. If we had kind of finished just a little bit better, uh, put a little more distance between us and Tennessee State, I think it would be a different, uh, a different narrative around this one. I mean, it did take uh, a run late in the half. Um, even though Tennessee State hit a shot to to make it ten at halftime, um, SLU did go on a bit of a run to put a little separation between the two teams. Uh, but like Ford said at his uh, his little quick halftime interview there. He wasn't happy at all with how they responded to uh, Tennessee State switching up defenses on them a lot in those first 15 minutes. He thought their offense was just bad uh, in general. So um, even though we have this narrative about Yuri being this this offensive guru and uh, and getting all the, racking up all these assists, it's weird that it came out of a game where the coach was so frustrated with our offense for so long. Yeah, we saw a nice game from Perkins in this one, which which was nice to see. Obviously, not the uh, the competition level that you know we're going to see in the A10, but fifteen and three, uh, nothing to nothing to you know. Yeah. Uh, be upset about or be you know? I mean, there, there's there's he's getting back. The three is almost as important as the fifteen because those first few games he wasn't even putting himself in position for rebounds. Um, just and just I think really that's a super underrated. Part of his game. Yeah, he's like just to see him sort of gradually get back up to speed, back up to speed. You need these games against teams like Tennessee State where he can get a little more run, get a little more comfortable. Um, it's a process, and um, and as we'll talk about in the next game, it doesn't mean big minutes in every game. Yeah, Pickett is really. I want to go on to another uh, another JP. Uh, Javon Pickett has really been a catalyst for this team with Javante Perkins struggling. Um, Pickett has been, he does all the little things. He's kind of, uh, he's Jordan Goodwin. People, uh, he yeah. is the Jordan Goodwin role. I won't, I can't do, I, that would be unfair yeah. 
to put him, you know, put those two next to each other. It's kind of like uh, picking your favorite child. Uh, which which child is your favorite, by the way, Peter? Um, no, Javon Pickett has... He really is that the junkyard dog that Jordan Goodwin was. It's almost as if he was born to play the role on this team. Like, the, like for all of the stick he got from Mizzou fans yeah. leaving, like how many like that we had on Kai from Three Man Weave. Yeah, and Kai was like, I don't see it. I didn't see it at Mizzou. Uh, he's this is this is. I, I think he might have just been in a bad role. That, that, I think that's part of it. I think it had to do with the supporting cast at Mizzou. Um, yes. I think there's a lot of factors there, but I think he's he's going to physically match up better in the A10, where guys aren't quite as big, not quite as athletic. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I also I also think his it, yeah it's translating to these early season games, and he's just um, he just finds ways to kind of exploit whatever the matchup is. He does a lot off the ball. You you say what blue collar junkyard dog? Use your cliche <coughs> of choice. But uh, but yeah, that's him. It's it's <laughs> we're both struggling this morning. Uh, we're this is the first time we've ever recorded in the morning. I can normally mute myself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, Pickett, man. He just like it, his game doesn't translate. <coughs> his game translates to times when the Billikens aren't playing well because he just it's not a skill like it's there's skill there but there's effort his game is an effort game right um we laughed at junior clay's name in the last show we did and i think he listened (coughs) yeah um people are gonna hate this episode so much because we're both just gonna be like making just horrific noises um but yeah, he finished with seventeen and eight. He's a nice player, and I am shocked that Guy Phillips didn't call him Jer Clay. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, 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 grown on the mic over the years, I guess. Uh, and speaking of Guy Phillips, he had a bit of a uh, 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 another uh, hiccup in this game, did he not? I well, I mean, you I heard it there. on the broadcast, and I texted you, and you were tw- you were the one that tweeted it. Oh yes, he did. He, he did. pick it. Speaking of Pickett, uh, goes in for a an uncontested right. fast that. break dunk, and uh, yeah, uh, Guy Phillips started saying Javon uh, before the dunk, and he misses it before it went in. Yes, the, the, it, rimmed, it didn't go in. It rimmed out, so he had to kind of cut himself off. It was oh. a little embarrassing. Oh my god, I was like, oh, you <laughs> son of a! When you start impacting the play on the court. Right. Um, I, I got problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wait a second, guy. Yeah. Uh, Larry Hughes Jr. Uh, made the most of his three minutes of action. He hit a three and grabbed a rebound and then uh, committed two fouls just to just to let us know he was there. That's right. If you're gonna if you're gonna become one of those guys who comes in off the end of the bench, uh, you have a limited opportunity to make yourself known. And, and you can go one of two ways with that. You can go the Mark Titus route. Just foul somebody. <laughs> no, no, you just go for a trillion. You don't want to make oh, any impact at all. Yeah, right, right. Or right. you can, you know, come in and, and <laughs> chuck. And and I think uh, Hughes found a nice middle ground here. Right, he did, yeah. He uh, really I, did. I really like Hughes. I, I think I, he's going to be good. Yes. I, I like I, the fact that we're getting him some minutes this year. Because um, next year, these the you know things open wide up for everybody on yeah. the end of this roster. I mean, we're going to have what's, what I think is about to happen is we're going to have Sion Medley 
and Larry Hughes Jr. And it's going to be a little bit of that uh, Jordair Jet Mike McCall dual point guard yeah, situation. I so. And I and I think you know it's kind of like that Moneyball replacing in the aggregate, yeah. uh, replacing Yuri Collins by bringing in two guys that can pass. Uh, and two guys that can score, and that way, you know, you're not uh, you're not relying on Sion Medley to come in as a freshman. You can platoon or play them together. I still think Medley's going to be one A, but um, the the fact of the yeah. matter is, I think Ford realizes, yeah, you ha- you have your point guard, but you need depth there. Um, we've been really exposed in recent years. Whenever Yuri's out, uh, we need to kind of figure out how to do things without him there. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's important. Uh, what did you think of Ford pulling the bigs every time they made a mistake? And it continued. It continued in SIU. But I thought, I, and we'll get to it in SIU, because I actually thought he did better. Yeah. And it was more meaningful and had, it felt a little more like, yeah, we need to do this. Sure. Uh, but Okoro has really struggled in the early season. I don't know why, but... Uh, Okoro, you know, gets gets ganked as soon as he misses a shot, <laughs> which he's done a lot. He's had some good games. He's had some productive games. Yeah. Um, but he has struggled to find his touch around the basket. It kind of feels like his, his timing is off, or I, I don't know what's going on. His, his hands just seem to be a little bit off so far this year. And I think he really is a couple made field goals every game away from being a completely different player this season. He's just struggling to find his touch a little bit. I don't know whether the management of that is right or wrong. I, I, I guess time will tell um, because yanking a guy whenever he misses a shot or makes a mistake, I, I, you know, I, I, it's, he, every big was kind of on a short leash in this one. And um, I just, yeah, I, I, I guess time will tell if that's, you know, Ford knows better than we do how they're going to respond to things. And Okoro did come out, to his credit, after being uh, you know, benched to start the first half uh, with a big putback and a, and a big block, too. So it, it did kind of feel like he had that sort of angry response um, that, that turned into production on the court. He's just got, I think his ca- the catalyst for Okoro has to be on the defensive end. It does. Uh, yeah. I think the more he gets blocks, the more he denies... Uh, uh, you know that that entry pass into the into the post. The more he, you know, I just think he's um, he's got to get it going on the defensive end, and that's yeah. going to lead to to him gaining his regaining his confidence. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of denying uh, passes into the post, uh, part of the narrative uh, in the media has been Slew finding the ways finding ways to force more turnovers. It didn't happen in this one. Uh, Tennessee State had 10. Uh, SLU only had 8, though. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with Yuri Collins really taking care of the ball. But I thought for the lack of turnovers forced, the defensive effort was there in this one. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, that they went for it. I thought, you know, I think early in the first half, Yuri uh, was trying to pick their point guard's pocket. I think he, he I mean, a couple loose balls went to the floor. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, it's the things that lead to those turnovers that you're seeing and you're really are, are giving you hope, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Reason it, look, to be positive. If, if, if the turnover battle is going to be 10 to eight, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. 
if we're turning it over more like 15 times yeah. and they turn it over 10, that's a bigger concern for me. Um, you know, every game is a little bit different. But yeah, I, I was I was fine with the defensive effort in this one. Um, I'm more concerned about, you know, when we're turning over Umzel nine times in a game or something like that. Um, yeah, I think rebounding, uh, you know, it's it's those turnovers and the rebounding. Yeah. So rebounding still a concern. I mean, I, you know, I've heard in the stands people, you know, grab with two hands. And I don't see a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> like they kind of go up with one hand trying to, to ward off the defender or the, uh, you know, their guy they're boxing up with because they're not boxing out well. Right. So it you know it, it'll I think the effort again there's effort there and I I just think this team is just gonna take a few more games before they can you know they they really put it all together and it's coming and and we're gonna talk about SIU Carbondale where we saw it come together in a lot of ways yeah um, the pregame in this one so the Billikens uh, they beat SIU Carbondale 85-72 on December third. Uh, the pregame, the Pete, uh, shout out to Carter Chapley. The vibes weren't good. No. The vibes were not good pregame. No, I, I had the, the good fortune to sit next to, uh, you um, were in the thick of it. I was, I was in 118 right above the tunnel, uh, sitting by my friends, Larry and Joanne. And, um, we were, we were looking, you know, kind of a, <laughs> around with about four minutes to tip off. Like I was praying for you. Where is everybody? Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was so weird. Like, yeah. the, there was just nobody in the student section. Nobody. I mean, it, it, there you, was we none. were just counting them. I was like, Yeah, there 12, were more. 15. I think uh, I got a text message that said there's more coaches. Uh, I think Tony sent yeah. a text message to me. He says, there's more, there's more coaches than students. I don't know what. Ha- and, and, yeah, they kind of showed up, you know, as they as did. it, uh as it as it got a little bit closer to tip off, they kind of showed up, but but still not the strongest uh, student section in general. I don't know why three o'clock on a Saturday is a tough time to get them there. I um, maybe that's nap time for students these days. I don't really remember having much to do at three on a Saturday if it wasn't basketball yeah. related. Yeah, I think so. What I what I was told because uh, we tweeted out and credit to our followers because they came through like. With DMs and tweets at us, and uh, so apparently they pushed finals up a week. So now they like so they have one more week of classes than finals. So finals are coming up. So again, and the the DMs were not you know hey hey come on man the students got finals they were more just look like finals are coming up not a good excuse but there are reasons right yeah, I mean so uh you know look it's a but. Finals aside, there are people that don't give that much of a shit about school. There are students. <laughs> like, I mean, like... I can, like, con- I would I can put, confirm that. I would put basketball above studying for a final. Yeah, for two hours. Especially, especially if I... Maybe... Hey, look. Maybe SLU has gotten more rigorous academically since <laughs> we went there. Because I could tell you, if I still had another week of class before finals, I was not focused no. on finals yet. No, I... I but, <laughs> Maybe you and I are not the best no. representatives. But no, I think... <laughs> but I think that there's... There's got to be. I mean, it's not a big school. We know that. But there's got to be a set of students that care yeah. more about going to a basketball game for two hours on a Saturday, two weeks out from finals, sure. than studying for finals. Um and, and I think some of this is on the marketing department and the athletic department, too. Because you looked around... Because I said, is there a party or something? Mm. So I got I was at my seat, uh, and I go... 
because uh, I brought my mom to the game. Shout out, mom. Um, and I go, I'm going to go grab a drink and see why there's no students here. I see if there's a party or something, mm. a pregame thing. No, there yeah. was nothing. Yeah. I and, But that's the thing. Like, even if you got to pull out like a, like a giveaway, you have to. You have to pull out all the stops. It's an arch rivalry. You know that it's Carbondale. Yeah. You know that Carbon. There's nothing to do in Carbondale on a Saturday. <laughs> you have to get students in the door because, like you said, the fans were noticeable. Yeah. So where I was, you know, we're wedged in between the visiting fans and the students, right? Uh, so it's a it's, students. It's a yeah, right. It's a fun section to sit in when everybody's there. Uh, but Carbondale, like Dayton shows up in force. Yes. Um, and by the way, their students would be there if this game were in Carbondale. Um, <clears throat> so we're, we're next to all of these loud standing, you know, people in maroon the whole time and the students just couldn't be bothered. Um, not, not the best place to be necessarily. I will say, you know, unlike the, uh, nobody on card, they weren't necessarily tr- talking trash to us or anything like that. They were just trying to make a lot of noise. Yeah. Make their presence felt. They and were, that's, their, were, that's their, that's, that's their, that's their goal. I mean, they're you, good, we'd be doing the same thing. Fans. Yeah. Right. But I, I think like, and I talked to uh, some people at Humphreys after the game, shout out Humphreys. Um, and I said that game, uh, that the vibes, like you looked at it and you said, you look and you say, okay, students aren't here. Okay. Strike one. Yeah. Strike two. SIU Carbondale fans have invaded Chaffetz. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> like, they, like start hammering. Like, if I, I'm, I don't bet anymore. I no longer gamble. But I might take Carbondale to cover. <laughs> I think, I, I, and to be fair, I was very nervous. Because, yeah, I like, was too. I mean, like, I'm already a bit of a lunatic at games, and yeah. my mom's there, and I'm like, oh, God. She's going to disown me after this one. Um, if, she, so, if she hasn't by now. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, I was very worried uh, going into this game uh, about what was going to happen. And, and my, my fears were eased by that dude, Javon Pickett. Oh, man. What a game. Unbelievable game. Uh, maybe the most complete Billiken performance in, I, I mean, recency bias, sure, it, it, it helps. But 32 minutes, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 8 of 10 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3-point range, no turnovers. turnovers. And and he started off the game and got us a bucket quick. Yeah. And and that is that there a is no I mean, yes, but like there's nothing that there is nothing that eases my my nerves better than an early bucket. If we miss our first shot, I am terrified. Yeah. Um, Pickett did, I, I mean, Pickett was the story of the first half, I think, in this one. Um, Yuri's assists mm-hmm. were another one. He, I think he had... 14. Yeah, uh, overall, but I think yeah. 10, 9 or 10 of those were in the first half. Um, so, so he was really racking him up in, in the first half, and Pickett was a big reason why, because he was just finishing. Uh, yeah, he played a, well, I think you called it a grown man's game yesterday uh, during the yes. game. It really was. I mean, yes. he... Uh, he he's really finding ways to be effective and has become fun to watch, honestly. Uh, speaking of newcomers, and I want to get this out there because I forgot to put it in the notes, uh, but I, we have the replay on above the camera. Um, uh, Sincere Parker. Yeah. 
uh, had limited minutes in this one. I think maybe five, five to eight minutes. Sure. Uh, and he had maybe the play of the game. It was a block, if we're thinking of the same one, yes. right? It was, it was a block in the most like LeBron sense of the word yeah. block. He he exploded for this one, and it was it was a track down block too, if I yeah. recall right. I mean, so I mean that changes the game. Yeah, at, in that moment, it, that the game is the the, the narrative is flipped, right? Yeah. I mean, we made a terrible turnover, and and sincere Parker just I mean, but you could he he almost telegraphed the block. You sure. you saw him kind of like oh he wanted it the whole time. Oh, everybody he, saw it coming. Uh, it was it you was just the didn't most know how emphatic it was going to be. I, I mean I. I, I think I made noises that I don't think I make very often uh, in reaction. Um, Jimerson, though, we'll get to the the heavy minute guys, the heavy school, the heavy you know stat line guys. Found ways to get good looks from three in this one. Whether it was the flare screen, uh, it was in the first half, I believe. Uh, but Highmark on that right after that, he mentions that Forte talked with him about teams adjusting. Yeah. To Jimerson, or he talked. Forte talked to Jimerson, and he explained that you know teams are gonna. Everybody has video. Everybody has it, and so you've got to keep finding creative ways to get open. Which is funny, because Jimerson was basically spending all of last year yeah. trying to get open. That's right. So uh, I, but I really liked Jimerson in this one, and, and he was just his shot was so pure in this one. Yeah, and he's a cerebral guy. Guy, I think he's up for that challenge. If Forte is going to give him that, mm-hmm. um, last year we talked constantly about how he was just getting shoved and bumped and tugged everywhere he goes on the floor. Um, so I think he's he's probably up for the, the for the challenge. We, our hope this year was that the presence of of Perkins and Parker would neutralize some of the uh, some of the, the the defensive stopping you know methods against Jimerson. Uh, because you know we have other guys now to kind of keep teams honest, and Perkins not being up to full health yet, Parker not being up to full minutes yet, we're still seeing Jimerson kind of get the star treatment, and uh, and so yeah, he's got to he's got to adjust. I want to talk about Yuri Collins. I, I know, shocking, right? Yeah. But what I want to do on this one is I want to talk about a, an aspect of his game that I think is huge, and we just saw him do it. Uh, on the replay, getting to the foul line yeah. is is maybe better than uh, score. Like, I love when he gets to the line because it says, you know, like, it, uh, he doesn't need to actually score. Right. on he like and he does he's amazing. Like, one of the, again, another underrated aspect of his game is being able to finish through contact. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Um, and... He, he got to the line on maybe three occasions in this game, yeah. and I thought it was at super key moments in the game. You, when you're a small guard like that, um, you need to be really, really smart about what, what you, when you take it uh, inside, when you're trying to finish at the rim. You, just, you, you have to be that much smarter than everybody else. Um, we just we're watching this now. We just saw him draw a foul. It was twelve feet row. from the basket. Yeah. yeah, the other one was closer to the rim. When Yuri goes to the rim, and there's bigs who collapse on him, and he gets a shot blocked, which does happen. You go, why did you do that? You know. But when you when you draw a foul or finish, you look like a really smart player yes. who's opportunistic, who's finding your spots. 
Yuri has gotten better about that this season. Um, it's I do think he still has did again three there. fouls in a row. <laughs> right, it was. Uh, that, and this is at the under-12 media in the yeah. second half. So we've now watched him on three consecutive, uh, actually two And this was when the game fouls. was at an eight-point lead. Right. So, right. I mean, you're this looking at a, a shrinking yeah. lead, and Yuri is getting there and getting us points in ways that yes. we ha- we're not getting points otherwise. That's right. Yeah, he he just he has to he has to be that much smarter. I do think in in late game in late close game situations he probably leans toward forcing it a little bit too yes. much. Um, but throughout the run of the game, he's he's gotten smarter about it. I thought his vision in this one was really on display. Yeah. Uh, the the jump, uh, Highmark reg- mentioned like Highmark and McLaughlin were both like, uh, coaches tell you when you start playing basketball, don't jump. With the ball, yeah. if you don't know what you're going to do yeah, with it, right. and there on many occasions where, and I think you know, there was an occasion where he jumped and made the pass to Thatch. There were several times where he found Thatch under the basket, and yeah. but there was another time where there was Jimerson off the screen, and I thought he was going to throw the lob to the Thatch, and I think I mentioned it, yeah. and I was like, watch this, he's he's going to look for Thatch, and he found Jimerson coming off screen. I go or that. Right. Like it's just there's so many things he can do, and and they, I mean, Highmark even says like, I think Yuri's the only player in the arena that see or the only person in the arena, not even a player. He's the only person of the nine thousand people in that arena that see these open lanes for passes. It's incredible. Right. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, it's easy to watch on TV and see it, and you still don't see it. Yeah, no, that's right. His his instincts, his vision are. Tremendous. Um, as long as he's just not trying to do too much, not trying to force things, he's just so effective. I saw a video on YouTube of Lionel Messi, and it was about mm-hmm. Messi scanning. He's just always. Oh yeah. His. I would love yeah. to see somebody lock in on, on Yuri. Yuri Collins and see when he's like. Because I, and to be fair, I don't know if you would actually see him <laughs> doing this. I think no. you can't. He just moving his eyes. Yeah. It's just his eyes, and it's it's really really impressive. Um, the, the, the struggles in this game, uh, Perkins, uh, man, eight minutes, three points, two player control fouls that you could just see coming. And, and I don't know if they were like, I don't know if he even got his money's worth on him because I felt like there was a bit of an embellishment from the SIU defender, but you still cannot extend your sure. arm. I mean that you're asking for it. And I, I, is, is his struggle to get, you know, his hit, get his, uh, turning into a frustration. Before I had said that per- Perkins, because of his more limited burst and speed and mobility at this point, um, the the games that have been the worst for him have tended to be like the Auburns and Memphises, like the teams that are the bi- Maryland, the biggest, most physical um, opponents. You know that are that are taking it right at him, that are forcing him to play a more physical game um, against Tennessee State and teams like that. He's able to kind of find his spots more as a as an outside shooter, um, and then maybe as as the, the things open up, he can start to experiment a little bit more, taking it to the basket, uh, hitting a mid range shot off the dribble. Some of the things that we're more used to him doing. I think SIU just had him really scouted well in this yeah. one. I think the, um, the guy guarding him just kind of knew um, what his limitations and tendencies are. And um, they, to their credit, they did. I think they did shut him down. They knew how to draw fouls here, and maybe that did turn into some frustration. Yeah, I think a couple things. 
I think Perkins, you know, you play against these big, these big physical teams, and you get used to playing one way and yeah. trying to trying that way to beat them. And then you come up against an SIU team that's a little more. They're not floor burn you anymore. <coughs> they're you know they're a little bit more finesse, and you start to try to do those things that you would do against um, against a team like Maryland or Auburn. Yeah. And you're they're either they're more pushovers right. in in SIU. So um, yeah, I think I, I think it, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay. Um, you know, as long as you continue to move forward in games, like, like next game, you want to see a step forward. Yeah. You, but you know, you take a step forward against Tennessee State. You take maybe a half step back against SIU. So, it, it, you know, it's it's not linear. It's like going to the gym. You're not adding five pound plates on every time you go to the you know the, right. the squat rack. You're not. That just doesn't work like that. Right. Um, again, struggles. Okoro. Uh, I think did we bemoan the point enough last game? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I I just I don't know what the balance is between mental and physical. What I'm seeing as we watch the replay here, I don't think he's giving himself the easiest shot available. Yeah. Um, when you're you know when you're when your primary focus is scoring at the basket, your your footwork, your decision making have to be sharp, and sometimes he's kind of worked himself into the more difficult shot is what I'm kind of seeing yeah. uh, in the SIU game. Um, <laughs> speaking of errors and making mistakes, yeah. Uh, and you, I think you missed maybe this part of the game. Well, I was, I was sitting. I, I saw it. I was, oh, you saw. I was okay, because I thought you the, mentioned that you didn't, you didn't catch the part about with the with the SIU turnovers. Oh no, I saw. I so saw those. Yeah. this was insane. Yeah, I, I have no idea what to make of this because I'm genuinely unsure if we forced those turnovers or or SIU just didn't know what they were doing. It was really weird because it happened on three consecutive plays and then again a fourth time uh, a minute later in the first half. And basically they were just throwing it out of bounds. Uh, to the same spot. To the same spot. In the same move. Like it was the same it was, motion. Yeah, it's almost like they implemented a new offense and just weren't on the same page yet. It's like the kind of thing you see in practice when a guy's like just not getting his spot or something. Uh, but to see that in a game repeatedly was weird. It was very much like you're watching a football game, and the the receiver runs the wrong route. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the quarterback throws the, it to nobody. Just anticipated, yes. And um, yeah, just just to see that repeatedly was so surprising. Um, and look, if we're not going to force turnovers, I will take the ones that they give us. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and you don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they were expecting something different from the Billica defense. I don't know what you could have expected. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It was it was just a wild situation. Uh, I think every I think we were counting them in my section. Like every, like it was like that's six. Uh, it was wild. Um, I know. We'll have people disagree with us on this point, uh, but I think you and I talked about it during the game. I thought Hargrove brought decent minutes in this one. I, I think he's, again, he's making plays in paint in traffic that he hasn't. Like, like he got us an easy basket. The, the, a really deflating play, like a deflating for SIU. Yeah. Like, he got the pass from Yuri, saw an opening, and took it to the basket, and he took a shot that I was like, why are you shooting it like that? And it went in. I was like... I didn't understand why he shot it like that, but it, it worked out. He also, um, you know, we're watching the stretch of the game in the middle of the second half right now where SIU pulls to within three, and he also just missed a three from the baseline air ball, 
um, in this one. Uh, and actually, that's why no, I think they, people... they pulled to within two. Did that? Yeah, fifty-eight, oh, wow. fifty-six was as close as it got. Um, so, so yeah, he, he, you know, it's it's really when you've got a guy who's limited minutes, people are going to come up with whatever narrative <coughs> they want to about him. If you haven't been happy with Hargrove lately, you're going to point to them as three. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you have liked his minutes, um, you're going to point to some of the things he did in this game that were a little unique. Um, I, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. It always is. Yeah, I think he was fine. Um, also, I want to go back to Yuri because <laughs> Yuri had some great. He took some great charges in this one too. He did. He was he was fantastic. He uh, he stopped a few of the, their breaks and. Uh, it was uh, it, it was a great all around game for him. I thought he had a complete game too, minus a couple turnovers. But how do you have a three to one turnover margin when you have five turnovers? Oh. <laughs> you get I think you need assists. fifteen assists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, are you worried about three point defense? I mean, Johnson. This was absurd. Yeah, number ten, Johnson. He was from Mason you. too, uh, right? He was the tra- he was a transfer from Mason. Uh, is that, is yeah, that, I think I think right? I yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah, one three-pointer all season, and then he re- rediscovers his shot in the first <laughs> half against Lou. I think he had four in the first it's half. It's like Dwayne Polk finding a uh, shot. We just saw him make the one in the second half that uh, that put SIU to with him, too. I just think that we are scouting teams to say they don't shoot the three well, and we're giving up way too much on the perimeter. Um, you know, we... we we kind of saw this, like in the Soderbergh era, which is you know always going to be my my frame of reference when he ran that pack defense. We were more aggressive with the pack line against good shooting teams, and we tightened it against worse shooting teams. And it's almost kind of like that sort of thing. Like um, when they have space and time to shoot, you realize like these are college basketball players, and some of them uh, just haven't had good matchups yet or haven't found their shot yet. But if you're going to give it to them. Uh, every once in a while, they're going to find it. Maryland did. Johnson on SIU did. It's a little frustrating, but um, so far it's worked for us more often than not. Yeah, I think in this one, though, I think we kind of you know, said, hey, they're going to beat us from three. That's how they're going to beat us. Uh, could, I don't recall a lot inside from SIU. You know, they, they, when they came out, I, was, um, I had already looked at the matchup on paper, but they were a little smaller than I realized. Um, you know, Domask has some pretty good size for what he does, but otherwise, yeah, they're they're not a big physical team at all. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that in this one was just us saying, hey, SIU is not big at all. They're not going to score inside, uh, so we're just going to let them. If they're going to beat us, they're going to have to bomb threes all game, and and a couple of them did, and and then they missed. And I thought the the game was, I thought the end of the game was more along the lines of about. Five minutes left, and uh, SIU just totally bricked one off the back iron, and you're like, okay, that was their gasp. Like, yeah. that's the deflating one. By the way, these college students look way younger than I remember. <laughs> um, they actually moved some kids down to the student section. I mean, real young kids, like seven. To fill it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, one really nice note from this game was seeing all of the Majerus-era players back for the Rick Majerus uh, Remembrance Ceremony at halftime. It's been 10 years now since we lost Rick Majerus. Um, Jet McCall, Remakin, Eckerly, Cassidy, uh, Rachel Diener, Becker, Becker, Diener, I don't even know. Rachel, formerly Diener, now Becker, 
God bless her. Yes. She, uh, I mean, she was easily the the unsung MVP of the Rick Majerus era. Yeah. Uh, he leaned heavily uh, on his his uh, office assistant. I don't his assistant, uh, and that was her role. Yeah. And so she was big time. Uh, videos were done by uh, Kwame and, and Biancardi, and then there was some more that I didn't recognize. There was a guy with the Utah Jazz. I couldn't. Wouldn't Place that him. be uh, Jensen? Was that yes, Alex Jensen? Yes, it was yeah. Al. Um, statues are kind of a meme at SLU. Uh, <laughs> you have the you have the acapella group, the bare naked statues. Um, does Rick deserve a statue outside Chaffetz? I have a really high threshold for things like this. Um, Majerus was a re- he was the right coach at the right time for us. He was a really good, uh, an incredible coach who you know we saw some success under, but. Unless he was there for a longer time and had just a ton of success in that era, um, you know, we still in that period didn't get out of the second round of the tournament. Um, as much as I like and respect Majerus and everything that he did, and, and I'm really impressed with all of the players to come out of that era, a lot of who showed up for this, a lot of who we saw at Humphreys afterwards, um, have gone on to do really impressive things and in and out of basketball. You know, multiple guys that named, uh, you know, with the title Doctor. Um, and they're they're younger than than me. Doctor Eckerly, yeah, Doctor Eckerly, uh, Eckerly, Doctor uh-huh. Jones, um, just just a really impressive group. I love everything about that era, uh, but yeah, I think a statue is a high bar for me. It's only easy ad. I think I do think that more can be done outside of Chaffetz just to make it a little more regal and inside too. Inside, absolutely, there is not a, enough done inside. It is. Baron, and I think that's for some reason being that they host a lot of concerts. A lot of, a lot of other events. Yeah, but I would like, I mean, but the problem is, even if you're hosting other events, you can still have, if you have Billiken stuff out there, like now you've got people, you know, that are yeah. seeing Billiken stuff and, and learning about the program just walking by a statue or a, or a photo or a trophy or yeah. anything like that. It's It still blows my mind that the Billiken Hall of Fame is in a section that you don't know is there unless right. you actually... Uh, go look for it. Um, next up, uh, Tuesday the sixth, the Billikens will be at Iona. This is the return game of the la- of last year's game. Yep, uh, it was a fun game last year. It should be a fun one again. Yep. And we have uh, a, a little preview for you uh, that we recorded with the Iona Hoops podcast. Yeah, it was a nice segment. We got to uh, we got to sit down. Uh, Get into the nitty gritty. We we came, went on each other's shows. Got to learn more about Iona. Um, I think this is actually this is a really important test for us um, with Iona being kind of a top hundred team. It's a road game. It's kind of like some of the A10 gyms we go into. That's a little bit smaller. So to me, the the way that I look at this game is like we're basically getting an A10 top third road test at this point in the season, and I think it's going to be a really good barometer of where we are. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I think it's it's a huge test, and uh, I mean it's it, it's a road game. And uh, we have an interview with Guy Filatico, and we're gonna play it right now. All right, Billiken fans, uh, a little inside baseball. We're actually recording this interview uh, way ahead of time, just because that's how the schedule works. Um, and we've got Guy Filatico. Uh, ionahoops.com. Uh, apparently, it's a haven for Iona University basketball fans. Uh, got, it's nobillikins.com. I'll say that. Uh, 
Uh, but uh, welcome to the show, guy. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to our game. Uh, yeah, it's I really like this series. I, I love I just love the the history of it. It's almost one of those things where it, it happens in such a quirky, weird way. And then like 25, 30 years later, it's become like an actual rivalry and nobody remembers how this series started. <laughs> um, it, just kind of from your uh, your recollection, uh, how did this all come about? Well, last December, Iona was supposed to play Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden. Um, and COVID, of course, was still running a little rampant at the time. So Seton Hall, that, I think most of their roster got COVID, so the game was canceled. Um, by the way, um, we're, we're still, I don't think they're ever going to give us that game back, but that's another argument for another day. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, so we were just trying to find a game and even just, you know, my people from my owner who were talking to me about it were, Hey, we're talking to Xavier. We're talking to these guys, we're talking to those guys. Um, nothing ever materialized. I kept thinking we're never going to get this game back. How terrible we're trying to build a potential at large resume. Um, and so all of a sudden here you guys were, uh, very similar, uh, uh, Ken Palm and net ratings. I think we had last year. It's a road game. Great opportunity for us to jump up a few points. Perfect. This sounds great. And what you're going to return the game the following year. Excellent. Let's, let's do that. I like that. So to your point. Yeah. I mean, this would be cool. Be and this is a great thing that the coaches are so close to each other where, you know, both of these programs are going to stay good for a while, but we'll be good as long as Patino was, was, you know, we were good before Patino got here. So it, why not keep this going? If you get a top hundred team to play you every year and you have that locked in, that'd be, that's a great thing to have. Yeah. I think it's good for, uh, you know, recruiting and alumni too. I think, especially on the St. Louis side, I'm, I'm sure there are uh, Billiken alumni up in the New York area that yeah. uh, would love to get a shot every year. Obviously we have the a 10 tournament in Brooklyn, but with everything that's, that happens with, conferences it, it, who knows how long we'll get we'll have brooklyn so uh what was kind of the reaction from my own fans Did, like what was the, were they excited about this matchup uh were they nervous uh confident um i thought we've the iona fans felt like we had a good chance to win i mean you're playing a team that's again we were generally pretty equal but it was at your place um, we, um, really didn't play a lot of road games. Patino's not a huge fan of road games, uh, in general, uh, and even in non-conference, uh, he likes to play neutral site games more than anything else. Um, most of our non-conference schedule past two years, neutral site games, um, you know, occasional home game here and there, but not much. And even this year, uh, road games, we played at Hofstra second game of the year. We're playing at New Mexico. That's it. <laughs> That's non-conference road schedule. Um, so, um, I love the opportunity to play in the road. I think it, it's great to get that experience to have a crowd against you uh, and not playing in an empty arena somewhere. Um, so, and I think that, I think the team actually was hurt a little bit by that last year, not playing enough in that atmosphere. Cause then we lost a couple of games to weaker Mac teams on the road. And you know, you, how do you prepare for that? You play more road games. So. Yeah, so and and this this game for us this this road game it's a good it's a good test for the A10 because we do play in some you know we play in the Northeast a lot we play in smaller arenas um, a lot but I'm curious uh, about personnel because we know I Iona has a little bit different roster than they did last season so who should we be looking at this season who's going to kind of be that leader for Iona? 
Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, you know, we again, we were recording this a few days in advance. Last night we played Santa Clara out in Vegas. Um, it was, you know, Santa Clara is a top 100 team. Uh, and game was toe to toe. We were up by one, but about three minutes ago, and then we faded. And that's where you want your leaders to step up. And we didn't have that. Um, our leader probably is Quinn Lazinski. He is a senior power forward. He's been out the last couple of games with a high ankle sprain. I'm not sure when he's coming back. Um, and we missed him last night. He's like or leading scorer, leading rebounder, and you can see the difference when he's not out there. Um, so if, if you want to talk about a leader, he's probably the one that you guys might remember the most from last year. Uh, we lost our starting backcourt, replaced him with a junior college point guard named Jan Dennis Jenkins, who was, uh, I think, number three rated Juco player in the country. And he's with us now, which is fantastic. And he's you know, our second leading scorer right now. Um, the other starting guard is Walter Clayton Jr., who was a freshman last year. Um, so, he, you know, he's still trying to grow into that role, but again, he's somebody who's averaging, you know, 14 and a half points a game. Um, you guys might remember our center, Nelly Jr. Joseph, he's back. Um, he, he kind of comes and goes. I don't remember exactly how he performed last year against you guys. Sometimes his number, sometimes when his energy level is there, he is an all world center. Other times he just kind of fades into the background. So not know what you're going to get from him from night to night. Um, so those are the guys that are back from last year uh, that you would remember in terms of Quinn and Walter Clayton and, and Nelly Jr. Joseph. He played 30 minutes last year. He was three for 10 from the field, four for six from the line. So he finished with 10 and six, but he did have four blocks. I do remember uh, us kind of struggling um, at the rim against him a little bit. Yeah, he's not um, one of those high energy guys. Uh, he um, He's one of those guys at NBA Africa, just kind of very mellow, just I'm going to go out and play basketball. Not somebody. Uh -huh. He's one of those guys you want to grab by the shoulder and say, just go get pissed off and go do something, you know? And he's just not that kind of kid. Um, and, you know, he needs to find a mean streak and, you know, <laughs> hopefully he can find it in time for when you guys come in. So. Is there anybody in the last, in last year's game that may have not shown us anything that's on this year's team that, that has stepped up? Uh, Beric Jean-Louis, uh, is, um, he's a senior wing, um, not much of a scorer, but one of the best defensive players in our league. Um, this year he's kind of added some offense. He's actually five of 10 from three. He's shoots 67% from the field, averaging 12 and a half. He's not a scorer and he's averaging 12 and a half points. So he's just been more active, a little more aggressive than in the past. But, um, uh, Patino actually, as the year went on last year, started to to go at a three guard look, putting in Walter Clayton instead of Barrick. Um, and I actually kind of feel like that was some of the contributing factor to the way we ended the season in disappointment. <laughs> um, I think we, we became a, a little, maybe a little more efficient on offense, but our, the, the, the defensive integrity was lost um, with Barrick on the floor. We're just a different type of team. His plus minus ratings is one of those. It's always going to be higher because he's always on the other team's best player. Um, so He's the one guy that I'd say that you you may remember him being out there last year. He probably didn't do much other than maybe guard Yuri or somebody on occasion. Um, and then, you know, but now you'll see, oh, who's this guy? All of a sudden he's making threes. So that's the one guy I would say to watch. He fouled out in 15 minutes last year without scoring. <laughs> yeah, there you so. go. But he did get, he did get one steal. So, you know. And a few rebounds. Yeah. Um, I, I got a question because I'm looking back at this box score and, and I, I'm sorry. I just do not remember the specifics of games. I don't. Um, but 
Uh, you guys shot 18.2% from three in this game and 35.5% from uh, the field. 18.2%. Uh, is that something that uh, like was normal last year and uh, not necessarily the percentage, but struggling from three last year. And then this year, has it either improved in any way from, you know, where it was last year or where it was in this game? We as a team did not shoot as well away from home from three last year. I think our overall percentage last year was probably around 32, 33%. This year it is just double checking uh, more like 34. Um, so we're definitely shooting a little better. We're probably, we're probably a better offensive team this year than we were last year. I don't know if we're as good defensively yet. Um, and that's something that I know is haunting Patino in his sleep because that's all he cares about is the defense. What what so. would what would you say the the root cause of the struggles on defense are for Iona? A lot of new bodies. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think that's a lot of it. I think learning Patino's system. Um, we are one thing we're doing probably more of than in the past is pressing a bit more. Um, we, you know, Patino likes to turn a game into havoc. Just, just, just wants to you throw a ball all over the place. It's one of the things we are doing well. If you look at our Ken Palm numbers, um, we're we're not tremendous in defensive efficiency, but if you look at the turnover rates that we cause and and the um the, the non steal turnovers numbers like that, we're among the nation and block shots. So if you get the shot off against us, you make it, but you have to get the shot off against us without throwing the ball away or getting blocked. Um, that's kind of the way it is. And that's not what it was last year. Last year, we actually had you to a lower field goal percentage too. Um, and we're just right now, we're not stopping teams from making shots that well. It kind of worries me a little bit. Slew has struggled against pressure a little bit this season. And, uh, and, and one thing we, that has been stark this year is we're not forcing turnovers at all. Um, just, I mean, I think teams are averaging maybe 10 turnovers against us, um, just, just not forcing them at all. So that's, uh, that's definitely something to look out for, but as you're looking at the, the rosters, is there, um, you know, Slew's roster next to Iona's, is there a matchup in particular that you're looking forward to, or that Iona fans might be looking at? I always like to see who Barrick is going to be on because usually he's on the other team's best player and Patino's big approaches. If, if the, he, he indicates that one guy that he feels like he has to totally disrupt for you guys, it's, it's going to be Yuri. Now, whether again, we saw, we, like you said, Barrick might've been on him in the first half, had a couple of quick fouls and that was the end of that. I don't know. I don't remember, <laughs> uh, but for him to foul it out of game, I'm sure he was on him at some point, probably try him again. Um, he's the one guy I think that might disrupt your offensive flow in that regard. So that's the matchup is that's the thing to watch who double zero is on. That's who, that's who, that's who Patino wants to take out of the game. Uh, you mentioned that this team has a few returners that are, that are, um, that are very impactful. Uh, but you also mentioned a lot of new bodies. Uh, this team feels kind of young, just from kind of doing a look at the down the roster. A few seniors, but a lot of sophomores and freshmen. Is that is that accurate, or am I off? No, it's it's accurate. Um, you know, Patino went to the portal a lot at the beginning, and this year he brought in more freshmen. Um, you know, and and Dennis is a, is a Dennis Jenkins is a JUCO, so he's only uh, so yeah, not not as many seniors on this year's roster roster, but. Again, you know, you assume seniors are what's going to lead you to to the to the promised land, and last year it didn't for us. So maybe that was <laughs> – I think he just wants more talent, and even if it's a freshman. Uh, I'll give you an example. This kid, Cruz Davis, is is just starting to 
scratched the surface a little bit. His numbers are nothing to, to look at really right now, but you can see when he's out there, he's one of those kids that got like a long arms are like nine feet arms that just disrupt passes. And, you know, Patino, the stat Patino loves, you guys know, if you follow him deflections um, and he's one of those guys that deflects all the time. Um, so he's one of those kids. He's, he actually drew the starting job when Quinn uh, went out with his injury. Um, so he's going to a freshman in place of a senior. Um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely on the young side right now. And again, again, in a situation like last night's game against Santa Clara, I mean, this was a game that was toe to toe for 37 minutes and then we just wilted. So I, it, that's what worries me. You talk about what worries you guys about going in an atmosphere like near Rochelle, what worries me, you know, if it's a one point game and a minute to go, do we have somebody who's going to be able to step up and make that play, especially with the assumption that Quinn Slazinski is, is not playing for us. So let's let's circle back to that atmosphere then. Uh, we talked about this a little bit going into it, and I, I mentioned this might be a good test um, in terms of some of the A10 facilities that we play in. But what is the atmosphere like in the Heinz Athletic Center, and uh, and what can SLU expect playing in that gym? Uh, it's something that's in in the works. It's um, we we did sell out um, our home game, our opening home game against Penn. Um, and it was, and we kind of buzzsawed them pretty good <laughs> um, as a result. I think the energy students bring is always just changes the dynamic, you know, before there was an actual effort to get the students there, all you had were a bunch of senior citizens sitting there, you know, and, and you know, we're just waiting for something to happen where the kids want to, you know, want to bring the level up and the noise up and cause as much chaos as they can with just disrupting the other team's thinking and everything else. So, um, I have, I mean, Again, we're we're talking about a game that's we each have games before we get to that one. Iona has two MAC games at home leading into this one, um, so we have three straight home games coming up over a, f a five day span. Um, five days, yeah. Um, so we have to maintain our focus, be able to handle these other teams in the MAC that are projected to be in the lower half of the league. You would think would be okay, but you never know. But at home, especially. And then you need to get to get to that point where we're ready to take care of you know business and 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 really focus on on St. Louis. I, I I'm hoping that the students are there for all three and not waiting for the St. Louis game because they know soon you you play a bad horrible game and you lose to Canisius and then nobody's going to show up for St. Louis then. So <laughs> it's like well we're not going to beat them we couldn't even be Canisius so yeah you, you have to keep the momentum going to have them keep coming it's it's hard it's impossible to build. You know, sitting here listening to you is is so intriguing for me, and and I don't know how intriguing it is for anybody else that's a Billiken <laughs> fan. But listening to you talk about like getting the students out and uh, senior citizens sitting on their hands, like mm. Peter, is he not talking about uh, being a Billiken fan, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, it, it, <laughs> no matter what you think of your program, I mean, the echoes throughout college basketball. I think, yeah. uh, I think a lot of our programs are facing pretty similar situations. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to know uh, what what has been the evolution of the Iona Hoops basketball fan, because I think SLU is just starting to skew younger. I, I It just seems like more and more young people are getting into it now. Uh, a lot of that comes from the uh, graduates that were here from Ajaris that are starting to have you know, kids and, and income, like, you know, disposable income that they can spend on tickets. Uh, much like uh, pro wrestling fans, um, age group, age range that's starting to starting to happen now. But uh, what has the Iona fan base been like the last ten years? How has it evolved? 
Uh, it's been uneven. Uh, you know, students are, you know, it's not like when, and I'm an old guy, I'm, I'm, I graduated from Iona in 91, you know, even then we had ESPN and we can go sit home and watch Duke, North Carolina, instead of going to Iona game if we wanted. Um, and I think that there's so much to do, especially being in the, you know, a suburb of New York city that to just get some kid to come out, you know, come out of the dorm and go to, to the basketball game. That's, you know, 20 feet away is a lot to ask sometimes if they're, if they're, even if they're just casual fans. So, you know, thankfully a name like Patino is a household name and it's like, wow, we have, we have Rick Patino as our coach. How's that possible? So I do think we're starting to see that build up. I know our, our season tickets are at the highest level they've been in, in years. And this is going on, you know, for, you know, we, for the, for the 2010s, I don't know, again, I don't know how closely you followed us. We had a guy named Tim Kluis coaching us during that time. We won a whole bunch of MAC titles during that time. We won, you know, uh, into the NCAAs, you know, seven times in 10 years under him uh, or something like that. And, and yet it never built into anything more. And now only now with Patino, you hear some of that. You're seeing more donors giving money. You're hearing rumblings like, oh, I think Iona should make a move to Atlantic 10. Now's the time to do it. Patino's here. And I keep saying, yeah, but you realize it's not just basketball. It's all the other sports too. And then what happens when Patino leaves? You know, can we can we sustain that? And, or are we going to become Fordham? You know, so, <laughs> you know, it's just such a crazy approach. But those are the thought processes now is like, they're think pe people are thinking bigger because of Patino, even if St. Peter's is the MAC team that's actually doing it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting because you talk about again. I swear to God, he's talking about if he'd said if he subbed out Atlantic Ten for Big East, uh, it, he's a Billiken fan, right? <laughs> um, so what is uh, what is your feeling on on Iona trying to move up to the A ten? Because I got to be honest, like I have a list of like two or three other teams, and I think I and Iona's on that list, but I think they're after maybe Belmont, mostly for selfish Midwestern reasons. But uh, what, do, what do you feel about the the talk that Iona should try to make a jump to the A-10? Because I think you guys would be welcome culturally speaking. Yeah, to me, it's a financial jump. Um, it's a pretty big difference. I, I'd have to look at the numbers, but if we were to move the A-10 now, we'd be at or near the bottom of in terms of overall athletic, overall athletic budget, maybe not even basketball. Um, the basketball program itself, as long as Rick stays, will be fine. And then, of course, <laughs> the hire we'd make after him would be would be crucial. <laughs> Otherwise, again, you become Fordham, you become LaSalle, which are, again, former Mac schools that are now dwelling in the lower half of the league almost every year. So I, I don't think anybody wants to, us to become that. So I've been hesitant to, to say, yeah, we should do it. We, you know, we, we, you have to elevate all your sports. You can't just say, well, basketball can go. It's all right. The rest of the team suck. You know, you can't do that. So, you know, that said, if you're going to make a jump from the Mac to the Lang 10, you have to do it when Rick Pitino is here and, and it might be the way to keep him. So there was, there was some buzz about a week or two ago where, you know, some, um, there's been talk, you know, when, when Pitino was finally exonerated for everything at Louisville, um, I was the one on the press conference that everybody started picking up his response to. So now that you're, you know, you're free of all of that, you know, are you going to be leaving Iona? You know, are you out of here after this year? And he didn't say yes. And he didn't say no. So it's, you know, it, it's a chance he can leave after this year. And people have asked about a lifetime contract for him. And the way my understanding is that Iona, he can stay at Iona as long as he wants. He doesn't have the lifetime contract in his hand yet. But that's what he has been told. You can stay as long as you want. 
how else would you make that sweet for him? But uh, to make a commitment saying we're going to get put this much more money into the league and go to the night 10. You never know? works when you give a house guest the keys to the uh to the <laughs> oh, condo. Yes, he is running our athletic office. <laughs> he is he is in charge without question. So curious to see where it all leads, but there have been rumblings, but I haven't, you know, I, I haven't seen anything materialize. So it sounds like you and the fans are on board with him now as as the guy leading the program. I'm wondering. How did everybody feel about him initially, like coming in? Because, the you know, there was the scandal hanging over his head and some stuff in his past. And, you know, Iona being Catholic school, small school, there's definitely a very specific culture there. How did it, you know, how was that that feeling, um, you know, the initial reception anyway? It was mixed and not just because of him, but because... Um... Tim Clue's uh, lead assistant was Jared Grasso, who's now at Bryant and has turned Bryant from a three-win team to uh, a darling, although now they <laughs> just took out Syracuse the other day, you know? So Grasso wanted the job. He wanted the Iona job, and it was between Bettino and Grasso, and there are some, there's a, a definite faction of Iona fans that wanted Grasso to get the job and not Bettino, probably for the reasons you're stating more than anything. Um Grasso was, has the potential, though, to to go down Patino territory. Well, that not only that, but you yeah, know, he has, if, he has that vibe. Well, not only that, but okay, he comes here. Let's say we get to the NCAs with him. He, we we win a game. He's going to move up too, and then we're right back where we started, and then we lost out on Patino. Yeah. So, to me, this is the year three of Patino. Granted, we had COVID messing up the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, if we get three years out of him, that's great. His original contract was five. I'd love for him to see the five. Um, the buyout was always a, 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 a way to keep him here. It was $10 million in the first year. I think it was seven in the second. And I think it's five now. But then I heard somebody else say that there is no more buyout. So I don't know. How, why would it just go away? Would a contract just change like that? So um, he could go. Now, a funny thing has happened that could lead to something else. You guys, I don't know if you saw what happened with Manhattan College recently. Um, so their coach, uh, Steve Mazziello, who is a Patino disciple, um, he's you know he's won a couple of MAC championships at Manhattan. He's a good coach, not a great coach, but a good coach. Um, basically, went in. This is his contract year. Went into Manhattan, said, "Hey, I have a great. I mean, they were picked second in the MAC. I have, hey, I have a good team. You know, let's talk extension." And they're like, "Nah, not yet." And he's like, well, what do you mean? Not yet. And then I think there was an exchange of words and he was out the door. Yeah. Then we're at the pen game to open the season. Who's sitting behind Patino, but Maziello. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, then <laughs> what's that all about? Um, he was just, he's volunteering to help out. And then that's the understanding. Iona doesn't have a spot on their staff for him officially, but uh, so he's helping out the team right now. And my feeling is, that's obviously going to be something that they may, might transition to whenever Patino does leave. So we'll it, see. Again, it's interesting. I, I every, like the reasons that Iona went with Patino over Grasso, the same kind of reasons slew yeah. went with Rick Majerus over whoever else. I mean, Rick Majerus unfortunately ended up dying, but like he wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. He had, he had his mom to take care of in, in Wisconsin. So it's unbelievable how much I can t- literally take everything you're saying and plug it <laughs> up a little bit, you know, yeah. just turn it up a little bit and be like, yeah, this sounds like Billiken fans. So it, it's been, it's been great to have you on the show. 
Uh, please let our listeners know where they can find your work. Well, I am Iona Guy F on Twitter. Um, I will I live tweet every Iona game, so whether I'm in actually physically there or not. Yes, I did tweet from uh, twelve midnight to two a.m. last night uh, to myself, basically. I think uh, during our Santa Clara game. Uh, but then uh, the message board for Iona fans is ionahoops.com. I've actually run that for boy, since nineteen ninety seven. Yes, I'm old. Oh God, we got to get him and uh, him and Slew Sign Guy yeah, on a Steve show Rogers. together. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah the podcast is uh, in its third year so uh, it's it's fairly new so uh uh and that you'll you'd see you'll find links for the podcast either through my twitter account or on the message board so awesome guy uh thank you so much for joining the the midtown madness podcast billy fans that's guy Falatico. uh thank you again and uh, thanks a lot and, and best of luck up until december 7th yeah, yeah, it's a couple of weeks out. We uh, or not a couple of weeks, a couple of games out. Let's hope we again are both unscathed, and that game's got a lot more juice then, huh? So let's yeah, see what happens. Indeed. Thanks for having me on. Yep, take it easy. Thanks, guy. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks again to Guy Filatico for for chatting with us. Uh, we're gonna look at Boise State now, and and this is another game from last year that was really fun. It was. It was and, fun in some way. It was. It was. I mean, every game is fun, but every game is also miserable. This is also the return game. Yes. We, we went out there last year. Um, this is one I was nervous about. They were a senior-laden team last year um, with high expectations, and they had kind of underperformed in the non-conference. Uh, we were one of the reasons why, um, because we went out there and got the win. And it was it was during a stretch of games where we were giving up a lot of leads at home, losing to teams kind of in a similar level, Belmont, UAB, um, even Auburn, a much better team, where we had given up double-digit leads at home. This was another one I think the lead shrunk a little bit down the stretch, but we held on in this one. Um, Boise State's good again, but I think they were probably better last year. It just took them a little time last year to kind of find their legs. Yeah, they have wins against Washington State, Loyola, Colorado, Utah Valley, and Cal State Northridge, the Toreros yes. of Cal State Northridge. And I, I, I'm seeing that we didn't update in the notes um, uh, what they did against Texas A&M and Eastern Oregon. I'm going to assume Texas A&M was a loss and that uh, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Oregon lower, lower division. I mean. The Val, the Val, <laughs> the Val capital of uh, the NCAA. So I'm actually wrong here. Wow. Um, they beat Texas A&M? They beat Texas A&M by 15 in uh, Fort Worth. So it was a neutral game. Um, I think Texas A&M might be one of the... They were ranked. I think they might not quite they, be They might be the uh, the antithesis of Maryland. Where everybody thought Maryland was a mid to low tier yeah. Big Ten team. And they're actually awesome. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Texas A&M that- was uh, a ranked team to start the season. And now they've had a few losses in a row. Um, so yeah. Uh, I take it back. They they also have a win against Texas A and M, which I would say is there's, I mean, Washington State, Loyola, Colorado, those are all good wins. Um, Eastern Oregon they haven't played yet actually, but they will by the time that we play them. Um, Boise State it looks pretty good. That steaming pile we laid against Maryland is starting to sprout little flowers. <laughs> it's maybe not as stinky as we yes. thought it was. Um, they're an excellent defensive team, Pete. I think everything for this team goes through the defense. Um, holding you know Texas A&M in, in Texas to 71, um, putting 86 on them is, is pretty impressive. Uh, but prior to that, that, that's really their defense is really how they got a lot of those other, uh, those other wins. 
Offensively, uh, their number one guy is Marcus Shaver. Remember that name? Um, yeah, we, we remember him from last year. A lot of uh, everything kind of goes through him on offense. Um, he's he's a you know he can really fill it up. And then um, the other guy who they return, who's a pretty good scorer, is Tyson Deganhart. I remember you cringing at his name I last year. I hate him so much. <laughs> I hate everything about him. I hate his hair. I hate his stupid name. I hate him. Yeah, he's he's just that dude. Uh, you know that. Uh, hopefully, the students pick up on as yeah. one. To he's, he's the Jimerson, the Ellis, the guy that like. It, yeah, it's the white guy. I mean, let's <laughs> let's not mince words here. Fans pick the 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 hateable white dude. Yes, I guess. it's the you know. So uh, let's go around the A10, Pete. Um, a lot. It was a mixed bag this week. I think it's been kind of a mixed bag all season for the yeah. Season. UMass seventy three, South Florida sixty seven. UMass they're trying they're trying to get a hype train going. Uh, West Pine Bills tried to throw a little cold water on that. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of I I think they're going to be decent. I mean you can't count out uh, Frank Martin. Yeah. Uh, anywhere. So, but I, I think they're fine. But again, cold water on the hype train. Uh, Duquesne beat UC Santa Barbara. Uh, 72-61, Charlotte Davidson, 68-66 in OT, um, just a weird game. Davidson had the lead by one, Charlotte had the ball in the closing seconds, uh, Just it's, it was a wild sequence that really resulted because Davidson couldn't get the rebound. Um, uh, Charlotte missed a free throw, got the offensive rebound, kicked it out, missed a three, there's a crazy scramble for the ball that bounces out to the wing. The guy who just missed the three before then picks it up and hits a three uh, as time expires to win it. Uh, it was madness and kind of not quite a crosstown rivalry because Dayton's about a half hour out of Charlotte, but uh, a, 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 a local rivalry. Uh, Davidson, by the way. Davidson yes. is um, it kind of, think <clears throat> Think the uh, Jimerson scramble three against Dayton. Yeah. Speaking of Dayton. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wednesday the thirtieth, uh, Temple beat LaSalle sixty-seven fifty-one in a in a big. That's a big four five game. Big five. Game. Big five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at, at the Palestra. Uh, Toledo ninety, Richmond sixty-seven. Tough <laughs> stretch this week uh, for Richmond. We'll get into that. We we got more on Richmond. Uh, Saint Bonaventure seventy-one, Middle Tennessee sixty-four. Bonaventure really had a mixed bag this week. Uh, Dayton sixty-seven, a, a really bad Western Michigan team forty-seven. Uh, I believe Sully said, thank God Western Michigan sucks. Yeah. Uh, VCU 70, Vanderbilt 65, they're also struggling with injuries as well without Ace. Is it Ace Ball? Is he still there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, George Mason 81, Hofstra 77 in OT. Uh, Fordham 72, Maine 67. Fordham's put up some decent wins for this, Fordham. This was also a game that they were down most of it. Um, <clears throat> that shows so, a lot yeah. of, a lot of, you know, Cajones. Good, good Fordham win. Uh, Loyola eighty-five, <laughs> Central Arkansas seventy, uh, St. Joe's eighty-five, Penn eighty. I believe that's another Big Five game. Also at the Palestra, kind of a doubleheader. Uh, GW seventy-nine, South Carolina fifty-five. South Carolina, man, <laughs> been bad. Yeah, but good win for GW. Who's coaching there now? Does anyone know? It, uh, nobody, nobody's coaching there. Nobody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they fired Frank Martin. They <laughs> haven't hired him. Yeah. Uh, UMass seventy-one, Harvard sixty-eight. This was, uh, uh, this was a, I don't want to call it a fun game because I hate UMass, but like it was, it was an entertaining game. It's a good win. Too. Um, Fordham ninety-five, Tulane ninety. That's a fun game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> points. Yes, points. Yes. Um, no defense. <laughs> Temple eighty-three, VCU seventy-three. Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, 97. St. Joe's, 80. 
Man. Wow. Um, Delaware 69. Nice. Davidson 67. Again, a mixed bag out of Davidson. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, again, I think the I, I think the season in general has been a mixed bag for the A-10. Yeah. Um, you had, uh, let's see, hold on, where am I at? Uh, GMU, George Mason, 80. Toledo, 73. Uh, Duquesne, 78. Ball State, 77. Uh, way too close to, to against a Ball State team. I mean, Duquesne, though, is they were supposed to be in the basement of the A-10 this yeah. year, and they've been really good. Yes. Uh, Dayton beat uh, that team that likes to think they're an SLU. Yeah, uh, they they had a little. Uh, a that's the only that's the only win they'll have against an SLU this year. I hope so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Southeastern Louisiana yes. had a little. Sela. Um, they played at Xavier and then they played at Dayton. So uh, you know, uh, well, get, getting beat up in South uh, Western Ohio. Uh, <laughs> what is the story of your life? <laughs> um, LaSalle eighty four, Penn eighty one, another Big Five. Uh, Buffalo, 83. St. Bonaventure, 66. Buffalo's good. One of the better teams in the MAC in recent years. Uh, Bonaventure has just been really up and down this year. That's the BFE, no Waresville, New York derby. Yeah, well, they also played Canisius, I have no idea uh, which I think is up there, too. That might be in Canada. Uh, DePaul, 78. Loyola, 72. Providence, 88. Uh, URI 74. Uh, this, what is Richmond doing here? Yeah. <laughs> William and Mary, if you have an ampersand in the name, yeah. you can't lose to them. <laughs> you can't lose to an ampersand. I think, isn't William and Mary the first public university? Or wait, was it the first university in the United States? It's, it's something like that. They're uh, one of the very traditional uh, school. We'll call this uh, we'll call this the original thirteen colonies <coughs> matchup. Yeah, right. Uh, fifty eight to fifty seven over Richmond. Richmond doesn't seem to be very good. Boy, are they are they putting up billboards in Richmond yet? <laughs> Fire Mooney Mafia. I mean, they just went to the NCAA tournament, and right. after you lose to William and Mary, you put up a billboard. Yeah. <laughs> That's if if they're probably going to win the conference tournament this year. Though. Yes, yes, they will. They oh, will they, go to the final four. I mean. They'll go to the final four. <laughs> um, let's talk a little trivia, but. I do want to talk about salsa because I'm still actually not. Well, I'm still on a like I still like my mouth is still on fire from the salsa <laughs> last night. Uh, but uh, you could probably cool it down with some pickles. You probably could. And the, the, the good news for you, if you like to support local and we know two men in a garden are all about supporting local. Um, I noticed this weekend when I was shopping at the Wine and Cheese Place, they've got five locations around the city, including one now in South City uh, called Spirit uh, Spirit Wine, I think. Um, is, that, is, that, is that the same as like Spirit Halloween? It's not, <laughs> not quite Spirit Halloween. There's a little more for It shows me, up once a year. A little more for me in this that, store. Then it's a, a Discovery Zone <laughs> yeah, or something. Right. The rest, yeah. But, uh, but no, uh, Two Men in the Garden is on... They do sell their products at every Wine and Cheese place location including spirit in south city uh it's at chippewa just a block off of hampton um and that is good news for me because it's like killing two birds with one stone i don't need to need to make a separate trip because i'm already every time i'm back in st louis i go to wine and cheese place at you know what either in clayton or this one at least once and uh i can, i don't have to make a trip to a grocery store to go get some two men in a garden stuff um i can get it all in one place so just a little tip for you right there if you like to support local uh, local producers, local stores, um, it's, you can't do better than that combination right there. 
And you can also pick up their stuff online at twomenandagarden.com. I mentioned on the show last week that I loved this trivia question because I had a good time. It was like playing Sporkle. Yeah. Um, and we'll go through this, the answer to this question. Uh, go ahead and read the question, and then we'll we'll get into it. So with the, the, the signing of Bruce Zhang, China becomes the 15th, you know, assuming he plays next season as, as planned and everything, China would become the 15th foreign country represented on SLU's all-time roster. Uh, the question is, what are the other 14? The hint we gave is that all of these but one had produced a SLU player since the year 2000. So you kind of had to brainstorm recent rosters and, and think about you know where guys were coming from. Um, go ahead and name the country, and then I'll go ahead and name the players. Okay, first one's Australia. It was Andrew Latimer was first. Uh, Salisic was second, technically. Okay. And then Ellis was third. Yeah. Um, Canada. Grandy Glaze and Matt Newfeld. Do we... God love OnlyFans. Germany. Martin Linson. Uh, Ghana. Was Reggie Agbeko. And some people pushed back on this one a little bit because he did did go to high school in Buffalo and then he went to prep school in Connecticut for a year. But... Um, place I, of birth. I don't think, but the, yeah, place of birth. But not only that, it's not like he was born there and then just grew up in Buffalo. He came over when he was like fourteen or fifteen. So I think fifteen. Uh, at, at which point I gotta say, you know, he's, you he's mean from like, Ghana. You mean like famed St. Louis uh, hip hop artist Akon? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, Greece. Uh, go ahead in order. So was Emmanuel first? No. No. Was... In order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're we're backwards here. So Paul. Yeah. Paul Nandas. Who you had no idea who that I, was. I could completely forgotten about him. And, uh, you know, some people kind of reminded. Uh, you you remembered him, and then we, we got some other reminders online. Ian Vujukas, uh, who I, I knew, um, he, we overlapped at SLU. Um, Emmanuel Salantakis, and then Marcos Sumitas. Um, so Greece is actually the most represented foreign yes. country. Um, off the top of my head, I, w- I would have guessed Australia or Canada, but I forgot we only had two Canadians. Um, and then and next was Iceland. Ingvi Goodmanson, who played one year, not even one year, but he did step on the court. I want to say if one of those long threes went in, he would have stayed. <laughs> well, that, that, speaking of he would have stayed, I, I was talking with Cassidy last night, Kyle Cassidy. He said uh, if, uh, if uh, uh, Femi John wouldn't have gotten injured, Cassidy would have had to transfer. <laughs> He's like, I would have to get, I'd have to get out of here. Um, Israel. Isaac Ohanan, uh, who was in my class, a class of 2005 at SLU, uh, was there for three seasons. With Great him. story from Anthony Drea about Isaac Ohanan being completely baffled that Drea could dunk. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> One of my favorites. Isaac, uh, from and you knew he was really from Israel because we played our home games at you know what is now the Enterprise Center downtown over you know the panels that they put over the ice for the Blues. He would have to put like a hoodie under his his practice jersey during shootarounds because he was so cold um, in that arena. He was he hated it so much. Uh, okay, next up we've got the Ivory Coast. Uh, the dance man himself, Lucina Traore. Yeah, yeah. Br- briefly at SLU, wow. uh, just like the next one, who's from Mali. Uh, Mali, yes. Yeah, Madani, uh, Donny for short. Yes. Uh, it looks like Diara, but it's he says it a little more Jara. like Jada. Uh, next, next is New Zealand. Rob Lowe. Yeah. Uh, not that Rob Lowe. No, but that that's for for getting one player from a country. That's a pretty high success yes. rate for New Zealand. We yes. got to go back there. 
Uh, Nigeria. Francis Okoro, yes, you know, who's course. playing for us right now. That's an easy one, as is Senegal. Momo Sisei. Yes. Hope uh, to see a lot more of him. Spain. This one was yeah. the one that tripped everybody up. Spain was the Except toughest. Except for Joel Hall. Spain was the toughest to get because it was the one that was pre-2000. Um, and, and that was Eduardo Garcia, who I think only played for one season, uh, 91, 92, something right. like that. Yeah. And then last but not least, we have Sweden. Uh, Andre Lorenson. Yeah, uh, who's at Toledo now. Yeah, again, well done to Joel Hall. First to get all 14. Uh, and I have no doubt he knew that off the top of his head. Yeah, yeah. He, he, we said honor system, and, and you know, he's, he's a living history book. Uh, <laughs> for the purposes of this week's question, uh, I want to be clear. We're specifically talking about basketball and father-to-son legacies. Larry Hughes Jr. is obviously the most recent Billiken basketball legacy, something we haven't had much of. Prior to the Hughes legacy, what was the last father-son duo to both step on the court for the Billikens? Yeah, this is uh, a good question. Yes. I like this one. It actually came up in conversation with a friend of mine at the game, two friends of mine at the game yesterday. That's not a good hint. No. Because uh, unless you were in that conversation with me, and only two people were, uh, you're not going to know it. Okay, now leave me alone for a minute. <laughs> All right, Billiken fans, uh, we're going to talk a little women's basketball now. Uh, Pete, there, there's a there's an expected result here this week and an unexpected, I would say, stunning result this week. Is stunning the right word? I think I think. You know what? I Colin Surrey texted me after the game. Yeah. He said this game was they like this was a huge result for this team. Great. Um, but first we're gonna talk about an 82-52 loss at Mizzou on Wednesday, November 30th. Uh tough first half in this one. Yeah, Slew was held to just 19 points. Uh you, you know, we get we get good McMakin, we get bad McMakin. She was three of fourteen. I just want average McMakin. Let's uh, just consistent. Consistent McMakin. Yeah. So so she wound up. She still winds up with ten. She always winds up with double digits. But three of fourteen. Um, Nick Castro, the freshman, started in this one, but she struggled. Um, didn't, there was call for her on surprise. Like yeah. I can't remember a time on Billikens.com where there was like, hey, why isn't this person starting? Talking about women's basketball. I yeah. I think the World Cup has got people a little. Because nobody ever is like, why isn't this person starting? Because we're so yeah. used to talking about, like, Majerus back in the day. We're starting is for high school. Sure. But, again, Nicastro <laughs> wasn't getting minutes. And people were like, why isn't Nicastro getting minutes? Give Nicastro some minutes. Well, we also have a new coach who's still trying to figure out her rotation, her lineups. Yes. And as we'll see in these two games, um, you see a lot of different looks. Um, so so, so she, not, she wasn't the only one, though. Flowers... Uh, she only finished with three and five. She had three blocks. She did pass the 1,000 rebound mark, so she now owns that record all t- uh, all-time record outright. Uh, we talked about her tying uh, uh, Lampy uh, with a uh, thousand before, and now it's now it's her record. Um, so she's just going to build on blocks and rebounds. That's fun to see. Um, really, the only other bright spots beside the record, Bree Johns and Peyton Kennedy uh, were pretty solid off the bench. Um, so, you know, always good when your starters are being held to such a, a, a poor scoring night uh, to, to get at least a little help there if I'm looking for bright spots. Yeah, Slew was 9 of 27 from 3. 
their best shooting performance in a while. Yeah. I, I, I like this one. I liked this one almost more than I like their like 50% yeah. shoot. Like, because this tells me it's like an average. Like, I literally want average from this team. Because when they play, it's like when I want Papa John's. It's decidingly, decidingly average, and that's all. I'm. It's 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 consistent. Yeah. It's it's not average. I'm sorry. I'm I'm using average, uh, interchangeably with consistent. Papa sure. John's is never terrible. Yeah. You're never gonna get terrible pizza from Papa John's. But if they shoot 33 percent from three, they can win some games. Yes. Uh, yes. Too often from this team, we've seen nights where they're like two of 15 or they're four of 21 yes. or something like that. So, <clears throat> just to get to a, a spot where you can at least be competitive. Now, granted, it happened in a game that you're getting blown out. It's a much better team. Mizzou's a very good women's team. Um, it, 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 but if you can shoot like that in some of these other games, it actually may have been the difference between a win and a loss in a few of them. Uh, yeah, again, just consistency is what we're looking right. for going forward. Nine of 15, 19 of 55 from the field. Not great. So this this is not this is like getting like little Caesars. Yeah. <laughs> this is little Caesars. Uh, that's thirty four point five percent. So it's just about what they shot from. Three. Just shoot threes. Yeah. <laughs> just shoot threes. Uh, twenty two turnovers. Fourteen of twenty seven uh, from three from the Mizzou side. Yeah. Then they were hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the stunning result is a 75-65 home win yesterday, Saturday the third. Uh, Against Illinois State, a team that last year they would have, like, I mean, they struggled with last year. Yeah. Um, four Billikens in double figures. And again, this is a, a wild result considering the the recent string of results. I mean, we just talked about Mizzou. Um, uh, you know, you've got Kennedy with 10, Flowers with 14, McMakin with 22, uh, Martinez with 20. Yeah. Martinez getting in the scoring column is huge. Huge. And she, I mean, she started, she played 33 minutes. Yes. Um, just a really nice performance. Also, what I like here. Say the, it. The free throw shot. No, no. Oh. oh I did The turnovers. Oh, yeah. She had one, one turnover. turnover. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, she. that's the one thing. I think scoring and turnovers were kind of the knock on Martinez. And Martinez is a great passer. Yeah. But the turnover margin in this one, uh, the Billikens, you know, they only had they only turned it over. They turned it over 17 times. Not great, mm-hmm. but when you shoot the way you do in this one, it, it, it helps. I mean, McMakin four of ten again. Yeah, from three. Papa yeah. John's. And then uh, the team was perfect from the free throw line. Yes, that's, that's uh, the eighteen thing that... of eighteen, and that is going to close you out games. Yes. Ten out of ten times. Eighteen yeah. out of eighteen times. Yeah. It'll close you out games. So. Huge win for the women there. Um, next up, they'll be at Ball State on the 5th, and then Wichita State on the 8th, and that'll be at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a, a really heavy slate coming up because they, they then go to Memphis on the 10th. How many times have we talked about Memphis on this podcast? I know. I, I, when I'm I saw, so like, do they have to play sick Ma- of it. Just trade them out for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt. <clears throat> sure. A- another Tennessee school. Anybody. Um, yeah, another three-game week. Uh, again, uh, I, I, she, I, Tillett, is, she's got her reasons, I'm sure. But it's, this is a grueling ass schedule. It's not just the strength of schedule that you know that jumped out to us when we were looking at this preseason. But now that you're actually in it, um, I think this is the third or fourth week already where they've played three games. I think it's the fourth time they've played three games in a week. 
Um, that's a heavy load. Um, they're going to get a little relief coming up here. You know, <clears throat> as you get into finals, you get into the holidays, they're going to have some longer stretches. But, man, oh, man, what a non-conference gauntlet. Unbelievable. Um, quick swimming and diving note, Pete. Toyota U.S. Open Championships are the 29th uh, through the December 3rd. I guess that's this weekend in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. So I want to finish the episode before I get into my spiel. And I, I think I think we owe Lindsay Heckel a small apology. Um, we this is we do this once a year, right. pretty much. We do in person, me and you, once a year. So and, far, yeah. And the technology is not great. No, we need to rent a studio. You know what? Like. Hold on, Pete. One sec. I'm gonna do something real quick. Well, Pete, anything before we head out? Before you get back on the road, have a safe trip home. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take in the SIU E game, I think, is the one that week. We may have to do less. We like, may have to do less. Like less things out, so like before and after the game. Yeah. Well, it'll be a little different. I'll be here during the week. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a Wednesday night. I'll be here with my kids. Okay. I can't take them out to Soulard. No, you can't. Um, so, so, yeah, it'll be a little more low-key. I mean, I did see a child at the bar at Humphreys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We, I saw plenty of kids at Humphreys, yes, actually. Yes, Yeah. It, but, it's uh, fun for the entire family over there at Humphreys. Humphreys is a good family. What'd spot. you think? Hold on. Before, I, I can't believe we're going to put this at the end, but what'd you think? Like, you know, I, I was, it was a true blast from the past. Um, when did it initially close? 18? 17, 18? Was it that yeah, was that? Yeah, it was like five years ago. I thought it was earlier than that. I thought it, it might have been, been sixteen. Um, but no, it was. But I, I had not been there a lot in those later years. I was there all the time in two thousand four, two thousand five, and when I would come back in town in like oh six, oh seven. Um, it was, it was, uh, it's amazing. It was a pretty faithful restoration mm-hmm. of the space. They didn't do a whole lot new. It really is like going into the old bar again. Yeah. Um, I was transported back in time man i you know i was there with a couple friends you know from slu from my class and uh we were just overwhelmed at how how much it felt the same um it it was uh it was it was quite an experience that way i found it funny that they uh they pour like it's very uh like they only give out the cups if Hmm. you get a pitcher like well they they do it like it's not like the only way you can get a cup right but like they pour it in regular pine glasses if you just Order it, draft. Like, I was just like, just just use cups. Yeah. Just use cups. Unless you're pouring a Guinness. Right. Or a you know, one of your, you know. Something that I would order. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. A beer you would order. <laughs> but, yeah, hey. Uh, well, that wraps up the week that was in Billiken Athletics. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod. At Peter is a tweeter. At Zach Miller MMP. On Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. We had a little more Instagram content this week because we were both in the same spot. Uh, we also appreciate any and all suggestions you may have for the show. Uh, please go to subscribe to the show on all platforms. Leave a review. Drop us five stars. Uh, as always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.